0: and yeah bookstores were the emotional heights for me as well because i went to finally visit fan books in taipei which is like an idol for me for mm-hmm. the past years and i actually cried when i got there because i start talking about shit stuff in my life because the, the mm. owner was asking me that if whether or not that i can come and attend an event they were holding but i said no i can't because i'm going back the next day So we're already starting having a conversation and forgot to press
1: recording because
0: we're always like this into our. And also,
1: yeah, it. and also because he- Helen and I haven't well, we have seen each other since we both came back from different parts of the world yes. on our big trips yeah. overseas. Yeah, um finally. we haven't been recording for about a month, so yeah. So this Come is Jesse. <laughs> this is Helen, and we're Asian bitches down under, back in the big, grand, old. City of Sydney <laughs> or Australia, however you want to say. Yeah. So, how should we start this episode? I've only got some
0: notes that I prepare of what we would like to talk about of our trip in this
1: episode. Yeah. Well, I guess i mm. um, I guess I want to, um, this episode will be basically a, a chance for our listeners to hear our thoughts about um, our big trips overseas. So, um, I wasn't explicit about it when before I went, but um, basically, um, I was overseas for about a month, a better part of a month um, with my partner for uh, a trip um, around Europe. So yeah. we did five countries, um, which I'll get into in detail later. And Helen was overseas for a little over two weeks. weeks to yeah. Our birth country, mm-hmm. the best country in the world, no <laughs> doubt. Um, in Taiwan, obviously, and with her daughter, with her 10-year-old daughter. So we both had like really immensely um, life, life-altering trips and um we just want to share with you guys you know our top five moments mm-hmm. and um you know give give a, give a little i guess shout out to things that people might not necessarily know about i mean i know personally there are so many things you can anticipate and try and find information for right before you mm-hmm. go that's right i uh, spent hours days months r- l- just reading TripAdvisor or like google reviews alone but um it is obviously something entirely different to be overseas um, yourself and um, it, it'll be a lighthearted, um, hopefully like, it, you know, also entertaining and um, informative um, episode where we talk about two very different places in the world. Yeah. You know, what my super white, yours, super not white. <laughs> <laughs> super Asian. <laughs>
0: yeah. I think um, it's nice for us to both share our experiences in the sense that we get to talk about the things that we encounter during our trips, that not necessarily that you can read on websites, you know, for those exactly. uh, for those people who are perhaps thinking or planning to go overseas, and you know, I actually want to share some of my traveling tips that oh, I oh amazing yeah because you, you know, I wasn't really aware of until that I planned this trip. It's, um, you know, it's a massive trip, you know, after three years being locked down in Australia. I mean, we've been travelling domestically during the pandemics, but this is my first major trip like, after years. And with my and it's my daughter's first international trip as well. So it was so exciting to
1: her. Um, why and not- so bizarre. Yeah, it's bizarre. As well, okay. well, compared to our upbringing, because we went to Taiwan every two years when we were growing up. Oh, you, you guys did. I wasn't. Really- yeah. Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting <laughs> Helen's the black sheep. Yeah. I, when I was growing up in Australia, my sister and my brother and I, the ones not including Helen, Helen's the <laughs> eldest, um, she was off doing her own shit. Um, we uh, went back every two years consistently. And so I had like a constant tie to the country.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: yeah and that was nice and I, I didn't get to go back into like i was in my adulthood and you know start earning my own money and i get more freedom to choose where i want to go anyway one of the tip i want to share mm-hmm. with our listeners is that if you're going anywhere I, I i'm guessing that maybe some people already know is that this is what i'm going to do from now on whenever I'm going to take a big trip is having the packing bags do you know those mm-hmm. um ziploc bags yeah, not not the Ziploc bags. Those compartments, fabric bags with zips on it. Yeah, can stuff your clothes or socks in it, uh-huh. and it minimizes the space that you take right. in in the huge in the bigger suitcase. Right, is so that you get to pack more things. But for me, for anyone who lives in the city that has Daiso, go to Daiso and get one of those laundry bags. Do you know the laundry bags where you put your delicate
1: like yeah, bra,
0: bra, bras, or you know, yeah, lacy underwears or whatever. Yeah, um, and you because we all wear lacy underwear. underwear. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I'm I'm can't be in the, in the lo uh, in the. I was going to say dishwasher. <laughs> <The> lo- <laughs> yeah, yeah, washing machine. Wa- yeah, yeah, those ones. So Daiso sells the ones in all sorts of different shapes, and the one that I got is a rectangular ones. I don't have it in front of me now but it's got a handle on it as well. You can zip it mm-hmm. up. And mm-hmm. those ones I used as a packaging bag to put it into your bigger suitcase. And they are so versatile. They come in so handy because when you go overseas, when at times that you will want to, you need to go and wash your clothes. You know, mm. any trips that's over five days, you will need to bring clothes that you don't want to bring like 20 days of clothing. So I use those laundry bags to... As a you know space minimizer, to um, I can pack more stuff, but within the smaller space. And you can use those laundry bags to take into coin laundries to wash your dirty yeah. clothes, and you can put them back once they're clean. And they they've got a carrier on, mm. on the bag. It's just so convenient. I think that's the one of the best thing that I had throughout my trip because I'm such a bag. I'm such a bad i, don't know, mm. I don't, don't know how to pack things
1: and you was i still don't i don't either yeah
0: i mean my don't. yeah
1: well uh, yeah yeah there's definitely a skill um i every time i go overseas i um, always have to google um a- advice list like uh, what yeah, to bring yeah, to a trip idea. to europe yeah, for yeah, a month yeah. or something like that because like there's always inevitably something i'll miss
2: uh-huh
1: and why not you know and uh, it, by the way when you were talking about um the your one piece of advice i thought well, the whole time i was thinking this is such a mum thing to so just yes. like talk about laundry <laughs> or like how to pack or something i was just like oh my god it's such a woman stuff <laughs> yeah that's true yeah um well i guess i just yeah um, I i had like bags or something but i i don't want to talk all uh any longer about laundry let's launch into <laughs> our top five um for me six so helen you're also um I've given you permission (laughs) to add in one extra thing about your trip. Um, Five top five favourite moments. Um, I did want to preface this conversation by saying um, um, when I returned, when we returned, I'm still jet lagged. I'm still struggling Mm -hmm. a little bit. Uh, I was really curious about how um, my friends were going to ask me about the trip and I've seen several already in the last few days and um, the most interesting question that was asked, as in first up, You know the first question launch usually people say what was your favorite thing about the trip i think it's like kind of like the the the, that question has been asked by acquaintances not like deep friends deep friends have time for me to unpack and you know Mm -hmm. go through things but um people who you're not really close to usually just say what was your favorite thing about the trip because like they don't know what else to ask you and it's direct it's like oh i can just uh, um, pinpoint this one thing that they know i will be able to give them a you know, answer about, and and it's quick, you know. Um, But my favourite question was from my friend Suha, shout out to Suha, um, who asked me, um, what was the emotional high of your trip? Oh. And then she asked, what were the emotional highs? So Mm -hmm. we went into a few more, but um, we exchanged, like, for me, my deepest friendships are the ones that are either sort of, like, intellectually extremely stimulating and um, Mm -hmm. curious So, you know, my deepest friends are with people who are curious and also, um, who are emotionally very, very intelligent. Emotional intelligence is the most underrated and under, um, acknowledged and under, um, misunderstood sort of skill that is, um, not valorized in the way that intellectual or, um, uh, verbose intelligence mm-hmm. is um, is um, uh, valorized in the society. I absolutely. will always have the issue of um, how this society um, overvalorizes people who are simply articulate and not necessarily have anything beyond that being articulate. I have I, I, like I remember when I was in my um, you know uh, even a few years ago I would be absolutely floored by people who are really articulate, especially women who are articulate. Mm-hmm. These days I feel like if you speak well and you're a woman and you're articulate. Um, and you're very good at say public speaking um, that doesn't do it for me anymore like uh, kudos to you I'm just saying that that is that seems to be such a corporate skill that um, is valorized by I guess the general public or the media you know Um, that
0: you need to have
1: yeah it is and it is a great skill you know it's just not the Mm. skill that I personally these days bow down my like I will bow down for Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I want to bow down for other skills such as like um, being extremely emotionally intelligent and being articulate about what exactly you're feeling and what you need, you know, emotional needs, things like that. Mm-hmm. In that case, um, I will start with my first, and this is in it's no famous. order uh, order guys. Um, so Helen and I will exchange um i wonder if we should just keep like exchange one by one or if we just should just go through all five of ours chronologic like not chronologically but like um we take turns we take turns or if we just 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 do um five the top five ourselves so that we stay in the same kind of region of the world yeah yeah, yeah. okay how about you go okay um yeah i'll go first okay so um when i thought about this list i i thought what was the most uh, like fun kind of top moments of my trip and I have to say it was um the discovery of the Moomens. <laughs>
2: One of the best moments you of my
1: Stop talking about I it. I can. Okay, so guys, um, if you don't know, um, like me, um, I have never heard of the Moomens, okay? uh uh-huh. And um, so when we were in London on our first few days, we were in the Apple Markets, um, a few oh. hours before we had to go to the British Museum. And um I am really the older I get, I think the more um clucky i get maybe i don't know i just like cute things i've always liked cute things and um we were in the apple markets and um i'm sure a lot of our listeners have been there a couple of stores you know cafes right opposite the shake shack there is a little store um that has um that is colored like blue and it has beautiful pictures outside and um and it leads to a store upstairs yeah and it was called um the moomans yeah. and i had never heard of them never seen them but i went upstairs and um the first thing i saw okay i i don't i i think the only reason i went up was because like they had actually a papa movement like a oh, real okay. papa movement person oh dressed up in the suit up outside <laughs> oh and like i didn't know how wild this was right i mean if i knew about the movements i would have like gone and hugged oh, him hug. <laughs> and like had a picture yeah. but anyway i kind of just like you know, said yeah, yeah, whatever. This is a cute little big hippopotamus-looking thing. Yeah. For those who doesn't know, it's uh, is it a Swedish? It, uh, it's a Swedish. Finnish.
0: And, it's a oh, Finnish, yeah, Finnish. So, Finnish to- cartoon or a graphic novel, wasn't it? It started
1: with a yeah. Cartoon. It was a, a a children's book initially by Tove Jansson, who was a lesbian um, Finnish woman um, who wrote them decades and decades ago.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I believe she's passed away but um, they started off as children's books and became television series, and there's a, a huge, huge global following. People are like a cult following. People are obsessed. People have tattoos of the Moomans, mm.
2: um
1: all over their bodies. People spend thousands of dollars on Moomin cups. Um, it's a huge thing, okay, and uh, I will go into detail if, if you don't know, and we will obviously provide a link. <laughs> but um basically i went upstairs not knowing anything and the first thing that uh, so the, the whole store was a Moomin merchandise place basically mm-hmm. a shop but the first thing i noticed helen when i turned in was like like the uh the plush toys right yeah. I, I looked at the plush toys a Moomin, um snork maiden you know little Moomin. um oh, wow. there was like um there was basically like three types of plush toys there was Mo- Moomin, you know the little boy and then there was Moomin Mama, but I didn't know it was Moomin Mama. It was just a Moomin with um, an apron. So I was like, okay, that's cute. Then there was Moomin with a um, a ca- like a top hat, which is obviously Moomin Papa. Yeah, the dad. And yeah. then there was um snork maiden, who is the Moomin, um not related to the Moomin family, but she is she has t- like a tuft of hair, and um she has uh like a ring, kind of a gold ring around her um ankle.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That is somehow how she distinguish, distinguishes another gender. Okay. But I thought that was cute. But then the the actual p- moment where I was like, I really am into this, is when I saw um the face. They also had the plush toy of this human little girl. So yes. not a not a hippopotamus looking thing. Um, okay. and her face was just kind of like kind of like it e- looked like evil. It looked evil. It looked kind of snarky. It looked kind of like a mischievous little look. And I was uh, completely in. The moment when I saw Little Mai's face, so Little Mai is a character in the Moomin's, and she is like a human girl who just somehow inserts her into the family, into the Moomin family. Um, Mm. uh, And when I saw Little Mai's face, I was just like, I really like this girl. She just reminded me of, I guess, maybe a little bit of your daughter, not in the (laughs) evilness part, but just of like the mischief part, you know? Yeah, the rest and face of start off yeah 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 <laughs> like a little i just i i like um perversive little girls or like just girls who don't follow rules right
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um subversive i should say not perverse, <laughs> <laughs> subversive and um we spent maybe like 15 minutes in there and i wanted to buy everything I wanted to buy everything, even though I had no idea who the Moomins were. I just purely, like, loved how cute they looked, okay?
2: Yeah.
1: didn't So that day didn't get anything um, because we had to brush off. Um, but I ended up going uh, two days later on the morning of the day we left for Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, took a bus in the morning by myself back to the movement store. Oh, did you? And, mm-hmm. Yeah, and 10 a.m. it opened and I was there and I spent over $200 on merchandise um, and mind you, guys, I still had not at that point watched any Moomin. I just <laughs> loved it purely based on how cute they are. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, yeah.
1: Um, and then, anyway, I texted you and you said that you had
0: I heard of the Moomin.
1: Yeah. I how did you come heard.
0: across the Moomans? Uh I call them comics, okay? They're the comic books that they were uh-huh. uh, displayed next to Tintin's. The Adventure of Tintin uh, when I was in high school. And yeah. obviously when I was uh, – when I didn't know any English at all, comic books were the first uh, sort of publishing that you'd go for because it's got pictures mm-hmm. and you can read them anyway and spend some time not trying to look like a, you know, nerdy person because you're reading comics. So, Moomin was the ones that were next to Tintin, but it wasn't as interesting as Tintin to me when I was growing up. Um, I don't know why, but um, probably because I wasn't that into animals. You know, you you think about animal comics; it's more like for
1: younger children. children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For like maybe. I think like, you were um, just at the age where you had passed. it was the... in a very awkward age. Yeah. You know? So, well I think movement, yeah the the I what I've heard from the movement podcasts I listen to is Oh you do the podcast Oh yeah there's so many podcasts about movements. <laughs> one about the movements, um which has an introduction with by Lily Collins you know Emily in Paris mm. she's a apparently one of the obsessive ones she and her oh, husband okay. cool um and she's yeah and um like people read them to their kids yes so another favorite person of mine billy i texted billy and he had heard of the moomins yes i have never come across
2: movements no as one yeah, no someone one in the yeah yeah
1: so for anyone who doesn't know
0: uh if you look up google the google explanation for moomins is that they are a family of white round fairy tale characters with large snouts that make them resemble the hippopotamus however despite this resemblance the moomin family are trolls the family live in their house in moomin valley and have many adventures with their various friends
1: yes yeah, so can i say to... yeah yeah um, they're, they're supposed to be trolls but they look like hippos hippos yeah yeah and they're so fucking cute they're just the it's most adorable, adorable beautiful yeah. co- like moomin mama Oh, just have you actually gone to youtube and looked at those um episodes no, i haven't but
0: i re- i do remember vividly this is a little while ago where I picked up a Moomin comic in the second handbook store.
1: Oh, really? I nice.
0: It and mm-hmm. the first few pages were just so hilarious. Um, they were. It was a story about they going out and, and the Moomin Mama was telling the dad, saying that, oh, you have to bring an umbrella because it's going to rain. And the Moomin mm-hmm. Papa is just so reflective of the real life. The Moomin Papa was saying that, oh, don't tell me what to do, woman. You yeah. <laughs> i know where he's gonna rain so
1: he didn't bring an umbrella he ended up like raining when he was yeah out. it was yeah. Just so funny that is exactly <laughs> what those people on the podcast say so, so one of the episodes the in the Moomin podcast yeah they um they interview uh, Moomin fans and they say like Moomin papa is like everyone's dad Moomin yes. mama is like everyone's mom it is just it is so universal right yeah, and yeah, um and, heard, yeah. and this is written by a lesbian woman in the 70s or the mm-hmm. 60s i don't actually have my timeline very very correct but um it's so universal but the reason why i love the Moomins initially um a, a, a beyond the fact that they're so cute um many reasons is um i love um situations where mm-hmm. like it's not a nucleus family and so like in in the Moomin valley family in in the Moomin family household Little Mai is there for absolutely no reason. We have no idea why she's there. She's part of the family. Like Mim and yeah, Mama, yeah. yeah, like includes her into everything. She lives there, basically. Um so and we have the,
0: like throughout the throughout the story, there's no indication of what sort of relationship she is to the
1: Mimin exactly. Family. Yeah, yeah. But she's like a friend or house Yeah, house exactly. House but, house. but it doesn't matter. She's still like as important as like a daughter to okay. Mim and Mama. Okay. And then there's like um uh Mm -hmm. snufkin who is like this um nomad um friend who goes and camps and he's kind of like a um chris McCandless in the sense that he has no home and he's always outside and they go on journeys together and then there's the kangaroo whose name i don't (laughs) don't remember Uh but um but he's just yeah there's so many different characters who come in and out and and there's um always space for them and um, it's just—it's such a beautiful, like, uh, the the heart of um, Moomin philosophy is so deeply um, wholesome, and I think that's why so many people resonate with them. And uh, if you haven't, jump onto YouTube where there's episodes of Moomin, not the not the latest kind of reiterations of them, where there's like. 3d versions but the kind of uh, ones made in the 90s or 80s i believe and they're very very wholesome and they're very cute and actually hell um they remind i've seen a few episodes now with my partner um they remind me of shouting down they remind me of the The cartoon
2: yeah
1: yeah the um uh, movies that we grew up with like groups of friends who go on adventures wholesome they um, interact with each other as though they um, love each other as as strongly as families love each other you know it's just mm. so and and the first episode um that you will see if you jump onto youtube is um just breaks my heart like i i sobbed actually oh, when i watched the first episode because because there's a moment where the mom mama does something for her son that just is so indicative of a mother's love Mm-hmm. like or just um the pure kind of um unconditional love that uh, a mother gives to a child it's there in the first episode so um nice. guys if you haven't discovered the movements um that is my one of my favorite things um the first of my top five moments of this trip hi there If you're new to our show, thanks for tuning in
0: into our program and we hope you will stay with us for a very long time. And if you're a regular listener, we're forever grateful for your continuous support throughout this period of uncertainty. It has really helped this podcast to gain a great exposure as our mission is to center the perspectives of people who look like us, who are marginalized historically to the sideline of conversation. So if you haven't already, we encourage you to subscribe to our podcast on Omni, Apple, Google or Spotify and leave a rating and review. And of course, as a small podcast program, we rely on listeners support to continue this work. Please do check out our Buy Me Coffee page and make a donation in order for us to continue and advocate the intersectionality in the podcast industry. wonder why that we never really, the the reason that we never really know much about movement is because we're all the way in Australia. We're not in Europe and Australia has such a, it's a culture, culture drought. <laughs>
1: I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we get stuff from the U S yeah, but we're, we're and very we, and we, from- and we produce our, I mean, it's small, obviously comparatively, but, um, we do produce our own children's, um, content, um, Yes. I grew up with yeah. um, Play School. I'd say that's the most Aussie kind of content when it comes to children. Children have a much wider birth, a uh, wider spectrum of choices these days, obviously. Um, mm. Louie. Yeah. Uh, what that- else is Aussie? Uh, Blinky Bill. I, I never got into Blinky Bill. Um,
0: uh, no, I think Blinky Bill was like for the generation before
1: us. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Play School or- is probably. The- play school um yeah but sesame street i'd the- say is the biggest cultural yeah oh the wiggles but i we never got into the we Wiggles. Were we were too old already. yeah when we yeah. came to australia yeah yeah okay interesting what's uh next one um okay so the next one is uh, much simpler and not as specific it is just simply paris <laughs> i just wrote just paris <laughs> just paris itself um yeah. and i think when you have a great experience with a place um when when you go overseas Often, what you look for are interactions with people, and um uh somehow in Paris, everything just um everything just unfolded smoothly. We had beautiful interactions with people, people were nice mm-hmm. um they were not what people had warned us about, you know uh, we yeah, always get the,
2: the French people,
1: people are rude, mind. you yeah. know yeah. It, it, we did not find that at all um everyone was sweet and welcoming and I I may it may have helped that we I mean this is very very elementary but um I did speak like a couple of lines of French which helped um and when I mean a couple of lines I mean like greetings (laughs) um and I've been to France with my mum but last time we went five years ago it was with a tour group and so we it was a different kind of vibe Mm
2: -hmm. um even
1: when we did have time by ourselves but this time I did all the things that I couldn't do last time with mum we went up to the top of the eiffel tower um we um ate at really nice restaurants uh went to a lot of different kind of places i wouldn't have thought about the catacombs for instance which is kind of catacombs is like an underground cave i suppose with thousands and thousands of bones and skulls it's such a strange concept i don't know why that is a tourist attraction Um, this whole trip made me reevaluate i kept thinking about what the meaning of travel is um and why we travel and who travel is for uh, i had a lot of deep philosophical questions but um paris in at the end of the day was by definitely uh, my favorite city um if i had to go and live somewhere um we went to five cities all up
2: mm-hmm.
1: no six or seven actually um oh, we went to we mm-hmm. stayed in five cities and paris was definitely my favorite um, we had a very small uh, uh, hotel but that didn't matter we were very we were in the fourth um, very close to the Shakespeare and Co um, which is all I cared about um, uh, the bookstore obviously and um, yeah it just I love I think I what I love most about Paris was if you've never been to Paris I'm sure a lot of you guys have uh, Helen you haven't but no, um, haven't. within Paris itself there are so many cafes and when I say cafe it's not like the cafes we have here in Sydney um, it's more like a a restaurant with like 80% of their seating outside. And so um, you see people out um, kind of enjoying themselves and chatting to friends. They're like just people hanging outside and the the um, chairs are always faced outwards. And so you always feel even the road. Yeah. So even when you're just walking down the road, um, any road in Paris, any street, you'll come across like several um restaurants, and then just um, a bunch of people sitting outside chatting. So it feels so like you're being included into this just like open air, um, open air kind of scene of um, a million people's different stories and they're all chatting to each other and it's all very kind of like lighthearted and it was just really nice. I I just like the vibe, general vibe of Paris. Um, Yeah, that that was my second top. Um, of yeah. this trip to Paris.
0: I guess you feel more deeply about this sort of sh- social interaction after, you know, all the lockdowns during the yeah, yeah. isn't it? You, Yeah, yeah. You start to value the importance of the social interactions, even though if you're not being involved within that conversation, it's nice to see human interaction.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um I mean I I didn't enjoy the crowds I have to say like um the moment we went to the moment we landed in London I just felt like um and we were staying in the center of London um I just even after 2 days I was like um <laughs> big cities like London are for young people honestly mm-hmm. And I'm not yeah. lo-
0: you, you arrived in London just before the coronation, so
1: yes. Um, but even that, I mean, um, it, 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 London is an extremely crowded city, mm-hmm. and you know, it's got like millions and millions so many more millions than we do here in Sydney. But every city we went to, Berlin, uh, uh Rome, Paris, all these cities are like millions and millions of people it's like a mega city and it made me think i don't i just i'm not cut to um live in a big city i just the noise and the and the density of uh the density of kind of like uh chaoticness i'm just i was so over it i was like i i don't like to live in a big city big cities are for young people um you think you have
0: changed because you
1: lived in new york before as well well not for long
0: yeah, not for they long. weren't.
1: They weren't. Yeah. Yeah. New York's intensity is very different to the intensity okay. of European cities. I'd say. Um, mm. I I could still happily live in New York um, for different reasons. But um, yeah, uh, I definitely. I mean, I'm like. I feel very spiritually. I feel way older than I was even <laughs> four, four, three, four years ago. You know, um, okay. uh, for a lot of different reasons. But um, but yeah, Paris. Nice okay uh so my third um top moment was uh a, a, a city called munster and uh, i have to pre- i'm gonna say that this was one of my top moments and our top moments because we were staying with one of um, my partner's friends mm. and so like our relationship to the whole city was different uh you know on on the uh on the get-go it was going to be different because we had someone guiding us around yeah
2: that,
1: Munster. if you. Yeah, so Munster, if you guys don't know, is um, a city, uh, apparently Germany's most bike-friendly city, um, and it's near the border of Germany and Amsterdam. Oh, sorry, um, Netherlands. And um, it is a university town. Um, it I, I want to say it's like, a, a, I want to compare it to regional towns, cities like Wollongong or Newcastle, but um, I can't. Only because it had such a different feel. Um, there it was much more built up than I'd say than Newcastle or Wollongong. Um it felt
2: built up more than Australia.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um it was very like I I was really surprised because I, I didn't actually read much about the city beforehand. I just in my head was expecting a small town, like a little village, like a little suburban village with nothing going on. It, it, completely the opposite. So much was going on. Um, extremely, extremely, um, I was going to say populated, but I, I I just meant, um, it was definitely a different vibe to the big cities we went to, but, um, still like very busy, very, very busy, um, heaps of people riding their bikes around. Um, but the, the, the highlight for this moment that I wanted to, um, talk to about today is, um, there's, you know, if you've been to Europe, you know, there are churches, um, every two meters. Mm -hmm. Literally, um, but the church I want to talk about is um, uh, called Munster Cathedral or St. Palos um, Dom.
2: So it's, a-
1: uh, it's a Catholic church, a Catholic diocese. It's a church of the Catholic diocese of Munster and um, a dedicated sister, St. Paul. And it's in the middle of the sort of the middle of the city. Um, it was just basically we um, strolled to the Saturday morning markets, which is like any other markets you find here in Sydney. And um, it was like around 11.55 mm-hmm. and um, we passed the church and my partner um, stopped us and was like, oh, what time is it? And he and it was like five minutes to 12. And then he said that he had read the day before because we had visited the church the day before. Mm-hmm. He said, um, let's go in because there's supposedly a little show happening with the astronomical clock. Oh, so there's a, like an astronomical clock okay. that was built in the 1500s, 1540 around. Um, so, like six hundred year old, five five six hundred year old clock. It's like a clock with chimes and those. Uh, I don't really know how to describe it, but it's one of those um like um, ancient European things that you see in antique shops that um where like little people come out, like little dolls Is and this little figurines, to one, similar to the one in QVB. You know yes, the, the that's right. QVB it's the B- one. That, yep, that exactly. Yep, yep. That that that's every it. Every hour, it has like yeah, exactly, with a little show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Think of like pinocchio puppets like that yes yeah people p- yeah little figurines coming out and so um we went inside we waited and um i told this story to my friend suha last night and i couldn't stop crying while i was saying Aww. it so hopefully i don't cry while i reenact this moment but um we went in and um we sort of like and the clock is up kind of elevated towards the top of the um ceiling so like we all had to look up right yeah. and i'm just i would create the space it was so it was like us and maybe like 20 30 other people and they were all kind of old white people yeah and like old people like um, people in their 70s or 80s right yeah and we were all looking up at this thing waiting for the clock to tick 12 and then when it did uh, okay i have it um, up on my on my screen now yeah yeah pretty- and when it did cl- tick um a little figurine came out and then the most sweetest kind of chimey tune started playing. And when the figurine came out, um like a I just remember hearing um a bunch of old people gasp, gasp in like wonder and delight.
2: Awesome.
1: And like I I lost it. Like I was glad that nobody was looking at me. But I started like te- like I started I I had like tears running down my face. Just because it was just so beautiful and moving to see um um to see Imagine. old people yeah. react that way. And it was just so special because like I think it was a combination of things. It was like the beauty of what I was seeing,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, uh the reaction of old people and knowing that um even old people like not even old people but like the knowing knowing that um they've lived so long they still have it, that kind of that childlike like mm-hmm. wonder exactly mm-hmm. and also um the fact that this clock has been charming for 600 years mm-hmm. and that um I and that I felt I just felt some sort of mystical spiritual connection with people who have just seen this show for like hundreds of years, like more than 500 years, I felt connected to something that was beyond me and sharing that space and sharing that moment with these strangers around me, these old people. It was just, it was something I had never felt before. It was, it felt like magic. And, and I just, I just, and that all those things just made me cry. I just was like, Oh, it was so it was such a special moment. That's
0: what traveling are for, I think. Sometimes you don't sometimes the traveling for yourself doesn't provoke a specific feeling, but it's what you see amongst other travelers that kind of brings out the interestingness of traveling. Like you see how other people react, um, which I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit later on my reflection of my trip with my daughter, is that a lot of times that you seen something, a sight, and you feel like, oh, that's nothing, you know, like I've seen this before or it doesn't make me feel anything different. But then when you see other people's reaction, it will make you start to think about why does it make them feel like that and then perhaps you can start a conversation with that from then, and you know you telling us your experience of seeing other people you know specifically older people who still has that sort of innocence and seeing wonders throughout their eyes, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, exactly um yeah it was it was very special, so you know <laughs> You're if you right. guys are over <laughs> in in Germany, go to Munster and go, go see this Munster yeah. <laughs> astronomical clock. <laughs>
0: sure that you have a bunch of seniors around you, so you get
1: the same. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I-, I wonder if it. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, it was a Saturday. It was crowded. I mean, the weather was perfect, so um, we got lucky.
2: Yeah, great. Right.
1: Okay. So okay. Um, th- three. Yeah, three of my last really quickly ones. Um, veganism in um Europe very easy the main cities i wanted to just say the shout out um we ate vegan almost every day and it was super i i it was very very easy um for the for 99 of the time we dined at really nice vegan restaurants um it was delightful it's really really delightful to find you know even if it, wherever we roamed in the city we just googled vegan near me on google maps and we there was something like 200 meters away oh, so um it was great yeah um Florence, we stayed in We went to Florence. Um, Florence is number five. Um, my second last point for the trip um of highlights. Of Florence's um Baptistry, also known as the Baptistry of St. John, is a huge building in the middle of Florence um that knocked us out. We just we were, you know, walking along the streets and then suddenly opens out to this huge, huge, impressively Absolutely gorgeous building. And, yeah, that was, you know, if you're in Florence, you can't miss it. The, um, the baptistry of St. John is um, one of the highlights. Um, you cannot um, go past it. It is just extraordinary. The beauty of that city is staggering. And I will always um, just think, uh, it, 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 you know, when we came back, it was really um, hard. It was kind of, I wouldn't say heartbreaking or grief, I was going to say that, but it was just like so... It was so um, sad that in Australia we have the most, like in Europe, we have the most ancient, we have the most um, long-lasting culture, you know, the Indigenous culture. Mm-hmm. But we don't, like none of us in everyday life acknowledge it or celebrate it yeah. and tie it into our lives in the way that Europeans do. You know, they like Europe has, we, we talk about Europe having an old culture. Hello, we have the oldest culture. Oh, and old yet country. for yeah. fucked up reasons, obviously, this country doesn't celebrate oh, them yeah, and hopefully... Um, things will begin to slowly shift this year with the voice to parliament and referendum. Obviously, you know. Um, but yeah, just like we talk about how old Europe is, and it's just so sad that we don't pay the respect and love and honour that you know that um, First Nations, Indigenous, and Torres Strait Islander culture have, um, have you know, in our everyday lives. Um, so there is a grief there um coming back. But yeah, Florence's Baptistry of St. John is my second last one. My final point before we hear it who Helen's top 5, 6, sorry, um is obviously um one of the the, the actual thing that I was most looking forward to, which was uh, a little life Yay. in London. I was waiting
0: for you to talk about this. Yeah,
1: yeah, I can't it's a um extraordinary play, um um very clever adaptation is all I had to say. Um That's I okay. I yeah, I um after we watched it, I went online and read all the reviews there were on it, um, just to get a sense of what people were thinking. Um, nothing out of the world um that, you know, people had read said that I hadn't also thought. Um, they just managed to articulate it much better than I could. But yeah, um, I just thought it was such an extraordinarily clever adaptation in the way that they in the way that they were able to re reshape and remould re-sculpture this 750 page novel into a tour two hour 50 minute play on you know live on the on the stage okay. um clever in the way that they um incorporated space and helped us contextualize what the different mood like the spaces like uh, moving from the kitchen to harold's study to the apartment in which they shared to um a hospital um, to, you know, Jude's um, residence, you know. It's just so clever in the way that they shifted these moments without ever shifting the stage. The set design was very clever, um, very clever in the way that they used Harold. Um, Harold, if you've read the book, um, who hasn't read the book, um, he's kind of like a character who comes in and out, right, of Jude's life, as in there are scenes with him and scenes without him. But in the play, what happens is um, he's often in the kitchen on the side. So there's like a little kitchenette that they set up on the stage, on the side to the left, um, where um, during the play, it's two and a half, two hours and 50 minutes. During the play, Harold, when he doesn't have any lines, he's off to the side making food. And so like you always, yeah, so you always feel his paternal, loving presence, presence, right? But also, um, I don't know if you know, um, James, I forget his name actually, the guy who plays um, Jude the the lead guy James something or other he um he actually I learned this on the line in the women's toilet waiting for the women's toilet line which I'll talk about later (laughs) um um, the woman I have spoken speaking to she told me that he had diabetes and so every half an hour he has to eat something and so like that they incorporated that really cleverly because like um Harold um, would be making like a, a meringue or something and then they'll have a scene of celebration where he will Come stage. into the scene oh, and with food, yeah, and then yeah, yeah, the dude will yeah will be eating on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so clever, and the highlight the 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 highlight for me not was the actual play, but the last moment of the play, mm-hmm. where the where the mo the moment where the lights went out after the th- almost three hours. I um I like lost it. I I got really teary. Um, when I say I lose it, I just mean like tears streaming down my face mm-hmm. because I felt the the weight of the emotional um gut punch of um what happens you know we all know um if you haven't read it very soon yeah oh wait wait did I just spoil it for you no don't don't spoil it for me but I oh you didn't hear what I said okay no, good I I, what I, you I literally, said. yeah I literally just spoiled it for you okay I'm glad you didn't hear what I said but um no I, I also what I said was not true <laughs> or was it oh yeah, yeah no know I, I I I the whole Chronology of the end is so um, spectacularly griefsome that um, I have I, I I don't actually remember I, I know the facts but um, what I know for sure is the emotional weight of the end and um, and it is such a stunning end the the play so if you are in London or if you have you know two thousand dollars to spare to go to London to watch this <laughs> it is worth it and I don't know how long it'll take for you know Australia. To receive such beautiful uh, i I find it inevitable that America, especially New York, will yeah, will, New York will, I, will most likely yeah be, uh, definitely be the next place it'll travel to yeah. um but uh Sydney, I don't know
0: I wonder why that
1: it's the production
0: started in London first because it's the story, story
1: well it started in Amsterdam, the first adaptation of it um, yeah it played in Amsterdam oh, a few years ago, oh my yeah um it was adapted by a Dutch guy alongside Hannah Yanagara. It played for a couple of, I I think, a season or two, I think. Yeah. And then it moved to London. Yeah. It's such a massive
0: um, novel. When you told me that you're going to see the play, I'm like, oh, my goodness, I didn't think that it was possible to uh, adapt it into a theatre play. And because I've been putting on hold of reading this book for so long that I started – um i've actually downloaded it from audio audible and start re- listening to it and i found that listening to it it was it's just as good as reading it because it it's faster okay definitely it, it would take me uh shorter time to complete the whole book and the person who narrates the story was just amazing it was almost listening to a play because it puts on voices
1: yeah yeah that's fantastic
0: and it's really good and yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to see. I don't know if I am, if I, I'm expecting it too much, but I do hope to see that you will come to Australia within next 10 years or so. I was going to say five years, but I think five years. I don't think so. Yeah, 10 yeah. Years, because I would love to see this with my kids, uh, m- my husband, and it's just so amazing how Hanya wrote and build up all these personalities and depicted the pains and the traumas of one character and also, you know, the side characters as well. I started thinking about which character that I would rel- relate to the most, which character yeah. I'm best with, which character that I want for the rest of my life. Because um, apart from A Little Life, because I read Tomorrow, Tomorrow and Tomorrow, um, which is the best book ever last month as well i start thinking about you know the sort of friendship that i want to have in my life for the rest of my life and mm. for for me personally I, i'm so jealous of the characters that has um friendships like marks from tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow yeah yeah them, uh as a friend in the little life And like those so sort of genuine friendship it's just hard to come by. I and, know, yeah. Oh, so amazing!
1: And the and the yeah,
0: wrote them so beautifully.
1: And they're it's both it's the Asian l- writers as well. Yeah, yeah. pardon? They're both I, Asian writers. I, yeah, they're both. Did you say Asian and female writers? Like I haven't yeah. really seen. Like I haven't read
0: enough of male writers' work, obviously, but um, I feel like the female writers they did so well of writing the pains coming out from. A male character mm. you know, in front, like Sam in Tomorrow, 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 and also yeah, in, in The Little Life, and yeah, they lived through their life,
2: yeah yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Gabrielle Zevin said that, um, her main two main characters, Sa- Sadie and Sam, are composites of her,
2: uh, yes, yeah, She's pretty much, obviously, yeah, in the two yeah,
1: days. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I will go to my deathbed just always. Screaming about how magical and wonderful tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow is. It is just the best book ever. I I cannot. I I, I just I have I will always have so much enthusiasm for it. Um, it absolutely killed me. It, it is the best book ever written. Um, in my opinion, the more I think about it, the more I just oh, I just yeah. The and the loyalty. Um. With the friends that you talk about, oh these characters yeah. is really what you want at the end of the day, right? Amazing, um, yeah. It's loyalty of a f- deep friendship that mm. that is the reason that we live. Mm. You know, it's not for our spouses; it's for the loyalty of it's a particular friends. Friendship, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, okay, I think uh, I to spend like an a, an episode talking about the friendships in Tomorrow, 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 and The Little Life.
1: Or spend like yeah. talking about it. Yeah, yeah. I could I could spend an entire day talking about uh, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. <laughs> um, let's take a
0: quick break.
1: And when we come back,
0: it will be my turn to share some of my experiences in uh, throughout my trip in Taiwan. Okay, we'll be right back.
1: Okay, so we're back. Helen, your turn. Um, I want to ask you before you started... Um, what's the book that you took with you and read? What were you reading while you, during your trip? Because this is something that means a lot to me, you know, the books that people take to big journeys, on big journeys.
2: <laughs> yes. Um,
0: I don't, can, can I talk about it? Because it's your work, it's your new work. Would I be able to? Yeah, of course, yeah. So, I took your manuscript of your next novel to read it with me and I am happy to say that I actually finished it throughout, during my trip. You know, on on the high speed railway, on the trains, on the buses, I was reading your work. So your next novel, the manuscript was one that I took with me, and also I was reading tomorrow, tomorrow, and then tomorrow. So those are the two. Wow,
1: I'm so I'm so I'm so humbled by the fact that you had, um, you had like the best book ever written, <laughs> um, while you were having my book as well. <laughs> Can I actually, finish your book
0: first because it was. Uh, I do have to admit your book was smoother to read and it wasn't as, ex- it wasn't, such, it was a shorter story, obviously. And yeah, yeah. It was, uh, I really want get, to get through it and talk to you about it when I come back. That's my main objective. Mm. And it was also because your next book involves stories that, uh, Taken place in Taiwan as well, and I want to read it in Taiwan. Oh, magical! I would love to do that <laughs> myself. I had it in my hand. Yeah, so those are the two books I had when I was in Taiwan. Well, nice. Okay. Okay. So okay, I go want to launch start. into it <laughs> my trip. So I compact. I, I packed three major cities uh, for fifteen days with my daughter, uh, her first international trip, and she was so excited. And these are my top five or maybe top six memorable moments or whatever you want to call it. First one would be the Salmon Lake. Um, Salmon Lake is one of the, those touristy places that a lot of Taiwanese say that, oh, it, it don't bother to go. It's full of tourists. It's so packed. It's It takes a uh, long time to get into the lake because you have to travel through a mountain area and actually to me, uh, for my own Perception. It wasn't that long. It was only like an hour from Taichung, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. central city of Taiwan, mm-hmm. by a, a bus. Um, my highlight in Summon Lake was the Airbnb, the host that we start uh, we stay with. Uh, who, who was just so amazing about. Um, I think it's the people that you meet throughout your. It's um, the best. Yeah, makes you remember the place better. Um, the host Arthur, uh, he was, he, he's a traveler himself as well. He's such a genuine down to us, that sort of Tiny uncle personality. And Mm -hmm. he finds other people's, uh, story very interesting as well. He's always so eager to ask us, um, about our lives in Australia. And he was Mm -hmm. asking for books for his kids as well. And uh also we went to stand up paddling at Salmon lake that's one of the things that my daughter really really wanted to do and we met this instructor her name is Juzhi, which is uh, mandarin mandarin <laughs> yeah Juzhi. and she was so genuine as well she was she's a single mom with two kids she was telling us that um I think we end up doing a lot of talking rather than doing the sta- stand up paddling my my daughter end up playing by herself just swimming around the lake and stand up paddling um and one thing that I couldn't stop telling everyone was that how strange it felt that when we mm-hmm. booked the session for stand up stand up paddling we were assuming that we'll spend 2 hours just pad- paddling paddling and- yeah yeah, <laughs> We spent at least an, an hour and a half being uh, photographed by this instructor. and Drone. The, yeah, we actually had the drone <laughs> taking photos for us. But and I videos. So, and videos, yeah. I was just so perplexed because she was telling us to pose like this, you know, uh, have your hands out, uh, hold yeah. each other, making a heart shape with your fingers. And then by the end of it, I was like, oh, is this, something that's popular in Taiwan and yeah. the instructor says, oh yeah because during pandemics the Chinese people couldn't go overseas so they started yeah. uh, activities that's within Taiwan and yeah. with the you know online influences when wherever they go they try to promote a place and uh in some Lake, where you can do all sorts of like water activities this became really really popular and i think this is a very um asian culture as well people likes to take photos like literally every second yeah yeah you go and then they incorporate this idea of taking uh photographs for their um customers or clients or however you Mm. want to call them and then make into a, a package So you eventually end up with, you know, you have two hours of uh, renting the paddling board and then the Mm. instructor takes you out in the middle of the lake and then also the instructor takes the photos for you so you don't have to bring your phone with you.
2: Right.
0: Yeah, so we end up getting like 300 photos and videos from her. (laughs) Yeah. Funny video. It, was, it
1: was basically a photo shoot, a professional
0: photo shoot. a photo shoot, yes. Yeah. yes. <laughs> I, I felt so awkward. My, my daughter was really natural taking photos. But I was so awkward that I...
1: I, just, I just yeah, Helen, I've seen these pictures, I ladies and gentlemen, and she was hilarious. It was, <laughs> was fucking hilarious. Fuck. I love those pictures, so yeah. <laughs> yeah I would I love worried. to do that.
0: I was worried to fall into the water. I didn't want to yeah, get yeah. myself. I mean, I don't mind, but it's just... Um, I didn't want to jump into the water, whereas my daughter, she was just like, yeah, whatever, I can just swim in the lake. Yeah, yeah, it was just really funny. And the instructor was really nice. Yeah. She knows that, you know, she knows that we were from Australia. She was asking, um, everyone asked me as, you know, as a parent, like, what's the school like in Australia?
2: Mm.
0: And they like, oh, I really want to send my kids overseas and, you know, things like Mm. that because the instability in Taiwan.
2: Mm. okay
0: um also you can take the ferry trips around the lake and then you can go mm. to the other end of the lake to take the cable car which uh, crosses the valley mm-hmm. uh, the cable car trip took like 15 minutes a lot longer than the one that you can take in Taronga zoo and the one in blue mountain it's worth the trip to go over to the other side to take the cable car because it was just so beautiful. You can see the lake from, you know, the bird's eye view.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Okay, so that was my, the first one that I love. First highlight, yeah. Okay, the next one is Herpin Island, another outdoor place, um, nature-preserved scenery that we went to. This place we went with a tour, which is north east of taipei uh about an hour away Herpin island is a little island that is connected to the fish fishing harbor jilong -hmm. Jilong, um, which you only have to cross through a bridge is only like 50 meters you can swim Mm -hmm. across if you want to yeah yeah um a channel that reaches Herpin island this island has uh, such a down in strange abnormal eccentric sort of rock formations it's mm-hmm. absolutely beautiful the day that we went to was uh, a very sto- stormy rainy and cold day so we my daughter kept saying that oh if we, next time we come back to taiwan i really want to come back to this place because they had an ocean pool as well which mm. opened during summer it's so beautiful and
1: so was it not opened
0: uh no the ocean pool wasn't open yeah it wasn't feel, it wasn't filled up yet and because it was, oh, okay. it was springtime when we went so it wasn't
1: open but you yet. don't want to go to taiwan in summer because it's I know, no. so hot. That's, it is that's disgustingly
0: kind of hot yeah i know it's i i don't know that if my daughter would want to try to go during summer because it would be like absolutely horrendously hot here uh and the third place i really love and also really want to recommend anyone who goes to taiwan who is planning to go to Taiwan is Ilan, which is on the northeast coast, again, northeast coast of Taipei. Uh-huh. Yeah, what happened was that I booked Ilan with a tour as well, but I got mm-hmm. canceled a day before because they didn't have enough people.
1: Oh, that sucks. Yeah, so I, I text hate
0: my when that. Friend, yeah, I text my friend Stephanie and saying that, oh, um, are you free tomorrow? Uh, my tour was canceled. We can hang around in Taipei if you like. And then she told me that oh okay I'll just, i can just hire a car and i'll drive you to Elon if you want to because you're all the way, you know you come all the way from australia yeah, to yeah visit the place yeah yeah i was just thinking that oh it's just so so troublesome for her because it's an hour drive to Elon. she says oh no it's okay my daughter's doing bushwalk over there and then she finished tomorrow she finishes tomorrow with the school i can pick her up from Elon as well so mm-hmm. The plane was set, and she picked us up the next day. We got the hire car, drove to Elan. And Elan is one of those, it reminds me so much of what where I live now. It's like a semi rural area,
2: but mm-hmm. it's
0: uh, very convenient. Elan has a lot of hot springs around. There's actually a public hot spring area. Uh, they call it Gongyuan, it's like a park, public mm-hmm. park where you can go in and have your legs and feet soak in hot spring and they oh very God. clean and free as well you're kidding oh. the only thing is that you have to bring your own towel and they have like taps the mm. uh, cold water taps to wash your feet right
2: you get yeah into, yeah
0: yeah sit down beside the hot spring, and it was so relaxing so nice um when we went it was almost like six 6:30 so there wasn't mm-hmm. a lot of people and it was just only a couple of cab drive drivers sitting on another pool next to us so they have several pools de- uh, designated around the park it was so nice uh, i was just thinking it would be such a nice time to go during the winter mm. there's a little cafe na- nearby as well where you can get tea and coffee yeah so it's all free oh.
1: Sounds
0: like a dream. <laughs> it sounds you get like a, a dream. A free uh, foot soaking hot spring in Australia. It's like $180 <laughs> for like half an hour here in Australia. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, Elan, I, I really, really recommend and love that place. I always go to Elan when I go back to Taiwan. Um. What's next? Uh. Okay. So, there is a, a particular suburb I really want to recommend to everyone who goes to. Mm-hmm. Taiwan, if you're only going to be spending time in Taipei, Da uh, Dao and Di Hua they are the kind of like an old street in Taipei, but they the infrastructure along that area is just so amazingly set up. You can walk through, there's a pedestrian areas that you walk through, and there's so many old stores and bookshops and drive food stores that you can just pass and i don't know you can take a lot of photos there i I, it's so hard to explain that because it's almost that you've gone back in time you feel Mm. like you're you're in like 60s taiwan compared to Mm. all those metropolitan places in taipei
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And the people are so genuine the, the people are just so nice they would hand out they would give out lollies either like would you like to try this would you like to try that mm. free food and uh, apparently that during lunar new year that's the place where you get all the you know ingredients for the lunar new year meal and we came across, uh, for Dadao we were there for the first afternoon when we arrived Taipei because we had a free walking tour where two tour guides, uh, it was an English tour, so they explained the history of Taipei Station, Taipei Post uh, Office, Taipei Railway, and they were telling us the histories of a couple of temples along that area as well. Um, but on the second last day before we came back to Australia, we went to Dadao Chen again because I really want to check out one of these qipao stores where you can dress up and take photos mm-hmm. along mm-hmm. the street. And mm-hmm. then we end up, my daughter end up getting a dress there. Um, oh. photos, she got a qipao. Oh, I'd love to see it. It took us so long because she's so indecisive. I think we sent there like an hour for her to mm. pick because it was just... Like thousands of dresses, uh, you know, yeah. with a lot of racks around the shop, and the lady in the store, she was so nice as well. She's letting her try different dresses, and she ended up getting like an adult, uh, version of cheap rather than the kids version. Okay, the adult version one looks better. She didn't want okay. the she didn't want the cotton fabric one. She want the satin one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so that was nice. Uh Dao and Di mm-hmm. Okay, so that's my top four uh, places that I would recommend for people who want to go to Taiwan. Uh, other highlights, I'll say bookstores and museums. It's just amazing. A lot of museums are free in Taiwan. Or if they're not free, they're so much cheaper compared to Australia. Even the amusement park was so much cheaper.
2: Mm. Um,
0: the convenience in taiwan is just amazing you can pretty much see 711 every block and mm-hmm.
2: um, food
0: do they still have family mart they have family mart yeah family mart is oh. one of the major uh, convenience yep. in taiwan as well yeah love that food uh so the convenience as well we end up getting a lot of uber eats well uh, mm-hmm. days that we didn't just want to go out uber eats in um they delivered to the hotel that was so convenient um finally i'll say i think personally for me the highlights of the whole trip will be spending time with my daughter like Mm. what you said about seeing the old people at the church
2: Mm.
0: um to her everything was everything was so cute for her everything was just you you see her expression you're seeing things differently through the you know through kind of like a different lens of ch- a child's eyes mm. so different and you feel the excitement from her you kind of get influenced by her excitement
2: mm-hmm. and
0: i was just so impressed that my daughter that even though so that i know a lot of my fam- friends have family says she's a, a child that is difficult to be with but i was so impressed throughout the whole um trip she was very she was very mature and she was uh, very helpful mm. very considerate and that's good uh, my daughter she was just so confident about her existence in taiwan i think yeah yeah i was a little bit worried i think for the fact that because you know she has a you can tell that she's not asian asian yeah she's very, she's very white and i was worried that she's going to be stared at and she's going to be feel uncomfortable because she's mm. always feel you know people staring at her she'll get anxious yeah But mm. uh, in taiwan she was just very confident and she's happy to speak mandarin as well
2: mm.
0: like, is confident enough when she wants something she'll ask me that oh how do you say this in chinese yeah i, yeah. Told, I told her she will be happily to go up to the you know the Convenience store, uh, convenience store staff, and say that, oh, can I exchange this, uh, fifty dollars? How did she? say that? Oh, I can took this, uh, She would say that. Can oh yeah yeah yeah. Dollars into you know ten dollar yeah. coins. So yeah. And do that, gacha gacha. You know that. Um. Yeah it? yeah. Oh, those um vending machine. Yeah she. Yeah yeah. Machine toys. Yeah. yeah or otherwise she would say that oh can i not have chili in my food or can Yeah I- yeah yeah. Yeah so she would pretty much um have the confidence to express herself. That's in. wonderful. That is wonderful to hear. So i think that she she became a lot more Im- she bec- became a lot more mature than i expected her to be.
2: Mm. The mm. Yeah so
0: mm. and obviously spending time with her was really nice.
1: Yeah. Yeah yeah how lovely that's such
0: a lovely story yeah i was going to ask you uh two questions before we conclude this episode and i'll probably answer this these questions myself as well so the first Mm -hmm. question was that is there a place that you will particularly want to return to
1: if you paris paris okay that was that was so that was so predictable but i can't help it paris Yeah, i really want to go back okay and the
0: next and next question i didn't think that you I don't know if you answered it. it was a question that Suha asked you what was the emotional
1: high for what you? was the emotional high for me um i i it was the monster clock it was oh, the astronomical okay. clock okay. that was that was the emotional high for me
0: okay nice and for, you for myself uh I would say uh, all the places that I've just mentioned I really want to go back to them, but I think uh maybe Yilan where I would love to go back to do a proper you know, a week in Elan, just hot spring (laughs) and a walk on the beach, Elan will be probably uh, the place I want to go back to. And Hoping Island. And then my emotional height will be the people of Taiwan and just hearing especially when I hear Taiwanese. Tai Tai Granny's Granny's talking (laughs) Chinese to us. Yeah, best best language ever. Yeah, I think that was an emotional high. And I've mentioned, I've told you this before, but I just want to share this funny incident about Taiwan. When we first the first day when we arrived in Taiwan, we took the high speed railway directly to Taizong and because we had several hours before we can check in to our hotel, we dropped our bags off at the reception and we went out to walk a- around the streets of Taizong. This is eight thirty in the morning and there wasn't any shops open yet. So we were just browsing around the convenience store and walking on the street. And they came along. We were still wearing masks back then. Mm -hmm. And and this old guy walked right in front of us and started talking in Taiwanese to ask and ask. Like he was just so bluntly pointing and my daughter saying that, is she a foreigner? Yeah, (laughs) in Taiwanese. Taiwanese. (laughs) And I, I was just, I was kind of shocked. Like someone just out of nowhere <laughs> randomly mm. asking this question.
2: Mm-hmm. But he
0: kind of uh prepared for me to have that kind of question for the next two weeks that people would just mm. come up to yeah, us yeah. asking, Is she a foreigner? Are you Taiwanese? you know. Yeah. It was just so funny that he asked us in Taiwanese. Not yeah, in Mandarin yeah. at all. It wasn't yeah. obviously it couldn't be English, but it was just very randomly asking us, oh, is he wakou
1: <laughs> Oh, I miss, I miss yeah. it so much. I have so much grief and you over feel, not being in Taiwan. And feel like
0: I was really included. like I was Yeah, exactly. Because they recognised me as a Taiwanese. Yeah, Taiwanese. yeah, Taiwanese. Yeah, exactly. It was so nice. And I had old guys ask me directions in Taiwanese as well. And I had to tell him that, oh, I'm not from here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so that was the... Uh, Highlights in the motion of eyes for us.
1: Yeah, and now we have the rest of our lives to look forward to. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to plan, I'm definitely planning a trip to Taiwan yes. um, yeah. in the next year, definitely. Oh, definitely.
0: I, and also you were asking me that the things that I bought in Taiwan that I told yeah. you, I got a lot of books. Yeah, I visited a lot of bookshops in Taiwan and, yeah, bookstores were the emotional heights for me as well, because I went to finally visit fan books in Taipei, which is like an idol for me for mm-hmm. the past years. And I actually cried when I got there because I start talking about shit stuff in my life because the, the mm. owner was asking me that if whether or not that I can come and attend an event they were holding, but I said, no, I can't because I'm going back the next day. Um, and then she just gave me several free books. Uh, she mm. she was just telling me that, oh, it's so nice that you're doing this podcast in Australia as a Chinese, and it's so nice you're talking me about feminist issues. Yes, yeah, mm. so that was an emotional high for me. And finally, uh, I don't know if I have told you, I bought this <laughs> in the convenience store. This is actually a cushion of the oh my J- gosh. cabbage. That was supposed to be on display in the national, the Palace Museum in Taiwan, but it was uh, it was on display in the South um, Branch, which uh-huh. is down in tainan I believe. So we to see the day cabbage. But the following day, I came across
1: with this. Do you know? How- can you hold it back so I can see the whole thing? Okay, and then beh- turn it around. That's cute. And
0: can, you can actually open it up, and you turn mm-hmm. it turns into a blanket. You're kidding! It turns into a blanket. Oh my god! <laughs> this is the best thing I bought. That into is life. incredible. You know, you can't just get this by yourself You had to buy like a huge, huge bag of chips, the lace chips, because it was like a promotional product. promotion. Yeah, promotional. Did you product. only get one? I only got
1: one because that was the last pack in the 7-Eleven. Yeah. I would love that so much. Yeah.
0: So this is this is the best thing that I got in Taiwan. Like, yeah. Yeah. They yeah, so cute.
1: Do you want me to show you the my favorite thing? Yes, yes, please. I'll show you my favorite thing. Yeah, I'll go get it. Okay, so I actually got this for Mona in um Rome, but I've decided <laughs> to keep it myself because I'm so selfish.
2: <laughs> oh, the
1: monkey. I know how cute what's the significance of a monkey and Rome? oh nothing it's just Rome, a doll yeah. they had like it's tigers so... and other animals but you know i fucking love monkeys that's your... my highlight and also i got this ah the moomin, yeah yeah moomin. oh she's so cute <laughs> e! yeah so these are my
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> Why that we
0: kind of regressed back to do I,
1: I know? Oh, children' I, of age that we were love cushions, toys. Oh, <laughs>
2: so.
1: Yeah, and um, and what about Aya? Did she get any plush toys? Oh yeah, she
0: got my my daughter got a, like a massive uh Shiba
1: Inu, uh, the plush oh. toys
0: as well, and it's got it's it's similar to this, It's a similar concept to this because you you can open it up and it's got a blanket inside.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, everything is so cute and adorable in Taiwan. I know. Yeah. This is the best thing I got, I think. I can't think of anything else apart from books. Did you did
1: Uh, you buy any clothes? No, I I didn't buy any clothes. I also did not buy any clothes and I'm like, You think time to browse through stores. Yeah, I know. It it takes time. I just thought that you can
0: get clothes anyway. Yeah. So I'm not a very big shopping person, but yeah, um, I like to get things which came by fate, I think this. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yes, I saw, yes. That, saw it at Seven Eleven, and the store, um, the staff was telling me that oh, they're really popular. They were sold out in Taipei because I was in another city outside of Taipei. Yeah, they said oh, it's all sold out in Taipei. I don't know if it, like a, it was a selling strategy or something, but it was yeah, yeah. The last pack on the shelf, right? i say okay, I'll get it. Yeah, and what were the chips that you had to buy? Lace. is just you know that. Oh, were, what what flavor? Um seaweed and then um, there's some plain ones. Nothing that you couldn't get in Australia, which was funny because when my husband saw i bought pack chips, he's like, "Why the hell did you get chips in Taiwan?" I said, "Can we get
1: seaweed flavor here?" I think you can get them in like Asian some stores. Korean stores. Yeah,
0: Korean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but then yeah, that that took me took a lot of my luggage space, but it was <laughs> it was worth it to
2: get this back exactly.
1: um no i uh i think it was really nice to you know hear um you know the highlights of our trips and i still have a lot of thoughts about what travel means and what it you know and all that but um but yeah but i I just like you know that we're back in the same country and we can see each other now and chat about things yeah
0: amazing Okay, so that's the end of our episode. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts, and give us a five star rating. If you would like to support us? What we do here at Asian Bitches Down Under, head to Buy Me Coffee page and make a donation for us to continue the intersectionality in the podcast industry. So that's it from us this week. We're
1: finally back, and we'll and speak to you next <laughs> week. And where we we might touch on the movies we saw while we went overseas. Yeah. Yeah. Okay,
2: bye bye. Bye.